Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever you are tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and I'm with you guys we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. In seeking to better understand the communities and people who populate the Ozarks, staff from the State Historical Society of Missouri examined several prominent newspapers, both inside and outside of the region, in search of articles, editorials, and social commentaries on topics with an Ozarks perspective. Not only did this help in the development of a physical exhibit in the Winokur Family Corridor Gallery at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia, also aided staff in creating the Emancipation Day in the Missouri Ozarks interactive map, as well as extended research for a number of oral history sessions. In going through these newspapers, staff centered in on community and social sections. In the 19th and 20th centuries, newspapers helped maintain connections between hometowns and distant communities with contributions from local writers and newspapers in cities like St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, Sedalia, and many others. These sections, under banners such as News from Home, Hometown News, or sometimes simply labeled with the town's name, offered readers a chance to keep up with local affairs. The subjects ranged from wedding, birth, and death announcements to family trips, religious events, and local celebrations. Many of these local correspondents for newspapers like the Kansas City Call, Kansas City American, St. Louis Argus, St. Louis American, Sedalia Conservator, and Joplin Springfield Uplift were considered community record keepers as they diligently collected and compiled information to be mailed to newspaper offices. Moving through pages of various newspapers, readers interested in the community events of African-American residents of the Ozarks would check in on reports from Evelyn Winfrey in Rolla, Miss Ari Brown in Greenfield, Edna Wilkerson in Nevada, Lena King in Carthage, Ina Pointer-Lee in Butler, Pauline Collins in Joplin, Lillian Watson in Appleton City, Myrtle Wansley in Festus, Viola Adams in Pacific, Lawrence Abington in DeSoto, Rosa Casey in Potosi, Sophronia Shores in Bonterre, Josephine Matthews in Fredericktown, Hilda Wagner in Crystal City, Miss Lemon Vadden in Hartville, Savannah Smith in Springfield, and countless others. In this episode, we will highlight the lives of six newspaper contributors with ties to the Ozarks, George Maston, Augustus and Fanny Tutt, Daisy Baker, and Robert and Elizabeth Cobb. Born into slavery in Virginia roughly a decade before the Civil War, George Maston was well-traveled before arriving in Missouri in the 1870s. According to family lore, Maston escaped slavery by traveling with the Union Army as it made its way through Virginia during the war. From 1873 to 1875, he enrolled at Oberlin College in Ohio. And in 1879, Maston moved to St. Louis and married Eliza Doolin, and the couple later had two children, George and Ida. Soon after arriving in St. Louis, the Mastons moved to Union in Franklin County. During their six years in Union, Maston served as an influential community member, particularly as a schoolteacher, barber, and minister. In 1885, the Mastons family moved again, this time heading south to Ironton, Missouri, as George sought new opportunities as a minister. While living in Iron County, Maston became a spokesperson for the local Black community, contributing frequently to the, quote, Colored Society Notes, end quote, section in the Iron County Register, and he also became a regular speaker on religious and historical topics, including the legacy of emancipation and world history at local community events. 
As he had in Union Master resumed his work as an educator, barber, and minister at Ironton while also assisting residents at Piedmont in neighboring Wayne County. At the end of the 1890-1891 school term, Maston left Ironton to take over the pastorage of the AME Church in Arrow Rock, Missouri, before moving again to Sturgeon later in the 1890s. Around the turn of the 20th century, the Maston family relocated again, this time to Lincoln, Nebraska, where George became a pastor at the Newman Methodist Church, and it was there in Nebraska in 1912 that he passed away. Around the same time that the Maston family moved to Nebraska, the Waite family moved into southwest Missouri. The Waites were soon joined in the region by Augustus Tutt, and together, Augustus Tutt and Fanny Waite led impactful lives that impacted the community of Joplin. Born in the 1890s, Augustus and family made their way to the state in the years immediately preceding World War I. Little is known, however, about Augustus prior to his military service in the war. In fact, his place of birth is listed in several accounts as ranging from North Carolina to Kentucky to Georgia. Once he arrived in Joplin, however, he engaged in local business, promoted civic activism, and even helped organize local traveling sports teams. And in the early 1920s, he married Fanny Waite. Born in Kentucky, Fanny Waite moved with her family to Joplin soon after the turn of the 20th century. Educated at Lincoln School in Joplin, Fanny later attended Lincoln University and Kansas State Teachers College. She served as a teacher at Nevada, Missouri, and Lincoln School in Joplin. She also supervised the Sunday School program at Joplin's Handy Chapel, was a strong advocate for the George Washington Carver Nursery School. She was a member of the Vashti Chapter Number 39 of the Order of the Eastern Star and Guiding Star Court Number 15 of the Heroines of Jericho. In 1926, Augustus and Fanny decided to go into the newspaper business and began publishing the Joplin Uplift. Unfortunately, few copies of the Uplift survive today, so little is known about the composition of the newspaper, its editorial commentaries, or its stances on key issues. From what does survive, we know that Augustus served as publisher and manager through at least 1930, and that Fanny served as circulation manager through at least 1928. In a surviving 1930 edition, the newspaper's name was changed to the Joplin Springfield Uplift, perhaps in an attempt to widen its coverage area in southwest Missouri. It is not known when the uplift ceased production, but is most likely coincided with the death of Augustus in 1933. A few years after his death, Fanny remarried, this time to Walter Eccles. From the 1930s to the mid-1950s, she operated a tourist home that was listed in the Green Book. While railroad travel served as the major transportation network for Ozark residents and visitors for most of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the advent of the automobile and the subsequent construction of miles and miles of roadway significantly altered the region's landscape, particularly with major highways such as 50, 54, 60, 61, 63, 67, 71, and of course the famous Route 66. Yet, while these new routes allowed for more autonomy for the individual and family on the go, they were still roadways that bisected a segregated Missouri. To assist travelers as they traversed unfamiliar and at times hostile communities, New Yorker Victor H. Green published the Negro Motorist Green Book for the, from the 1930s to the 1960s. The Green Book was a guidebook that offered information on service stations, businesses, restaurants, and lodging accommodations that were accessible to Black travelers. The Green Book offered not only safety and security to its readers, but also a promotional opportunity for predominantly Black businesses. Alongside the listing for the Tut, or later Eccles, tourist home, readers seeking accommodations in the Missouri Ozarks could also find tourist homes for Mrs. M. Webb, Mrs. A. Peel, Mrs. A. Gibson in Carthage, Mrs. Grace Davis Tourist Home, as well as Williams and J. Lindsay Hotels in Joplin, tourist homes for Mrs. J. Osborne, Mrs. Ann Wilson, Mrs. Missouri Warfield, and Mrs. Eliza Turner in Lebanon, tourist homes for Mrs. A. L. Davis, Mrs. W. Brooks, D.C. Freeman in St. Monica in Poplar Bluff, Mrs. L. Hilliard Motel in St. Clair, and Sylvia's Restaurant, U.G. Hardrick Tourist Home, Allen's Rooms, Rockfront Inn, and Alberta's Hotel in Springfield. 
Though she spent the majority of her life in the U.S., Fanny eventually decided to relocate to be closer to family. Following Walter Eccles' death in 1977, she moved to California, where she passed away in 1981. While the sites of so many of these Green Book businesses are no more, a newer community building in Farmington is dedicated to the memory of another notable Ozarker. Born in Clarksville, Tennessee in 1880, Daisy Baker transformed educational opportunities for countless students in St. Francis County over the course of her life. Her interest in education was rooted in the limited opportunities and offerings she experienced as a young student. Though she grew up in Farmington, she moved back to Tennessee to continue her education at the secondary and college level because similar schools for Black students did not exist at the time in the Eastern Ozarks. Beginning in 1903, she began teaching Black students of Farmington in a tiny one-room schoolhouse. During her teaching career, she attained such a position of standing that she served as treasurer of the Missouri Teachers Association for Negro Educators for nearly 30 years. After more than 50 years of teaching, she retired from the Farmington Public School System soon after integration was implemented in 1954. While serving as a teacher, she was also a frequent contributor to several newspapers concerning local news from Farmington, particularly the Sedalia Conservator and St. Louis Argus. A few years before her death in 1979, Farmington declared April 2nd as Daisy Baker Day. In addition to local and personal congratulations, messages were also read from Governor Kit Bond, U.S. Senator Stuart Symington, Congressman Bill Burleson, Secretary of State James Kirkpatrick, and State Treasurer James Spainhauer. Today, the Daisy Baker Learning Center in Farmington is named in her honor. Born less than 20 miles from Farmington and Pilot Knob in 1893, Elizabeth Rubottom followed a similar path as Daisy Baker. Raised in Iron County, she spent her early life in the Eastern Ozarks. Had she been born a decade earlier, it was very likely that she would have been a pupil of George Mastin's. After completing her education locally, she moved to St. Louis in order to attend Stowe Teachers College. Upon completing her coursework, she spent several years as an educator in the St. Louis school system, and in 1924, she married Robert S. Cobb of Jefferson City. Born in Cape Girardeau, Missouri in 1888, Robert S. Cobb became one of the most familiar Black governmental officials in Missouri in the early to mid-20th century. Though he never held political office, Cobb held prominent positions in state government that provided him with influence in state matters. Before arriving in Jefferson City in the 1920s, Cobb earned a degree from Knoxville College in Tennessee and spent a decade teaching in Missouri schools, including Cape Girardeau, St. Genevieve, and Hannibal. He married Bessie Meyer in 1911, but she unfortunately passed away in 1923. During World War I, he served as secretary for the YMCA, and his organizational and educational background eventually led to his appointment as secretary and a later executive secretary of the Missouri Negro Industrial Commission, an organization whose primary goal was the improvement of educational, employment, and living conditions for people of color in the state. After the Missouri General Assembly opted not to continue the Missouri Negro Industrial Commission in the late 1920s, Cobb moved over to the Missouri Workmen's Compensation Commission and remained there for the majority of his career. In addition to his work in state government, Cobb was also active in the United Brothers of Friendship, the AME Church, Lincoln University, and the state NAACP, including as a founding member of the Jefferson City branch of the NAACP. He was also a member of the Missouri Bar and was a partner in a local law office in Jefferson City. After Robert S. Cobb and Elizabeth Rubottom married in 1924, they lived in a home centrally located in Jefferson City between the state capitol and the campus of Lincoln University. As such, both became eager newspaper contributors regarding community news. For Elizabeth, this meant regular updates on society and university news for the St. Louis Argus and the Kansas City Call. For Robert, this meant issuing press releases on behalf of the Missouri Negro Industrial Commission, Missouri Workmen's Compensation Commission, and the NAACP in statewide newspapers. Owing to his knowledge of the echoey quarters of the state capitol, the Samuel Argus also enlisted him to contribute short commentaries under the recurring headline, quote, with the lawmakers, end quote, related to legislation of interest to people of color in Missouri. 
Near the end of their respective lives, the Cobbs opted to move to Virginia to be closer to their children. Robert passed away in 1969, and Elizabeth followed in 1972. While we only briefly covered the lives and careers of six Ozarkers who contributed significant information to Missouri newspapers in this episode, I want to stress the countless individuals who submitted local and community news without receiving name bulletins. Through their efforts as community record keepers, scholars, genealogists, and the general public are able to better track local and familial history to this day. Thank you for listening to the Our Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests, and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri. Thank you.